There's an anecdote about an old seminary professor who required his students to write and, and submit ten original prayers. Each prayer would be graded for theological content and appropriateness for public worship. The students were taken aback. You can't grade a prayer, the professor replied. Watch me. So grading prayers might sound wrong, but this professor had a point. When we pray as the assembly of believers, as the body of Christ, we are calling upon the true God, the one true God, the Trinity in unity and unity in Trinity, who was, is, and is to come, the Alpha and the Omega, who was before there was a was, and who will be after all ages have passed. We are calling upon the one who created all that exists by divine decree, who hovered over the waters of chaos and called everything forth. We are calling upon the one who is eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, and yet in a paradox way above my pay grade, is also all-loving to the point of taking human form for the sake of his beloved creation. When we think for a few moments about just who we're praying to, about who we're addressing, it makes sense for the professor to take the students' prayers seriously. And while we can laugh about how wildly different our prayers are than our everyday conversation, like this webcomic that's made the rounds on social media for the past five years, The fact is that talking to God is not like talking to any other person. Emily, wife, could you just pick up some milk, Emily, wife, while you're at the store? Just go ahead, Emily, wife, and just, just go to the milk section, Emily. Just grab some milk, Emily, and just, just place it right in your cart. Wife, Emily, wife, just thank you, Emily, wife. They forgot the amen at the end of that. Yeah. But the point is we're not addressing a human being when we're addressing God. You can go back to the other one now. Uh, the human, a human being is limited and transient, but God is unlimited and eternal. This isn't to say that God doesn't want us to pray or that we can't know God. God certainly wants us to pray, and God has made it possible for us to know him in Jesus Christ. God commands prayer several places in the Bible. Psalm 50, 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. Psalm 55, 22, Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. There are constant commands in Deuteronomy to remember God after being settled in the land. In the New Testament, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, and Peter and Paul exhort prayer constantly in their letters. God certainly wants us to pray. God certainly wants us to be in relationship with God. The issue is with the approach we take to God. And there are two approaches in our scripture today. One would be graded very well by our professor, and the other, not so well. So, before we get to the approaches, let's set the scene. Our reading picks up where we left off last week after the episode with the rich man. You remember that? 
where he said, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, keep the commandments. And the rich man says, I've done all that. And Jesus says, just one thing, sell everything. And Peter, and, uh, Peter says, look, we, we've done that. We've left everything and followed you. This is right after that scene where Jesus assures the disciples that those who have left houses, homes, families, fields for his sake will receive a hundredfold in this life and in the age to come with persecutions. This is after that. So, we're setting the scene. We're back on the road to Jerusalem. And Jesus tells them a third time what's going to happen when they get there. He will be arrested, condemned by the religious leaders, handed over to the Romans, humiliated, killed, and then rise again. This one's a little more fleshed out, by the way. His stuff about, it, it describes the humiliation, it describes what's going to happen a little more. The disciples may be starting to get it just a little. In their brain, they know something is wrong. Something is not what they would want it to be. Mark tells us they were astonished and afraid as they were going on that road. However, this does not translate to full understanding. Yet again, the disciples changed the subject. And by the way, this whole discourse from Mark 8 on is remarkable. Jesus tells them he's going to die. The disciples say, yeah, but what about... Jesus tells them something else, and they're like... Yeah, but there was this guy, you see. It, it's remarkable how they changed the subject. Approach A. This is not the high-scoring approach. This is, uh, this is the try-to-rope-Jesus into the can't-say-no challenge. By the way, this is an actual social media challenge. on The social media phenomenon, it's on YouTube, where apparently some parents, and you wonder about these parents... Uh, decide that they're not going to say no to whatever their child asks for 24 hours. <laughs> or the other way around. Sound like a great idea, parents? No. Well, they try to do this. They're like, they're like children trying to rope Jesus into the can't say no challenge. So James and John approach Jesus as if he were a parent to manipulate. Teacher, we want you to do anything for us that we ask. It's remarkable. Jesus doesn't just shut them down right away. He hears them out. What do you want me to do for you? Well, give us the preeminent power, positions of power in your kingdom. Or as the idiom goes, let us sit one at your right, one at your left when you come into your kingdom. You know, John and I have been talking and he would be a really good secretary of state. Well, I would be a great prime minister. What do you think? What's hilarious about this exchange is that Jesus first asks them if they can do what he is going to do. If they can drink the cup that he drinks and be baptized with his baptism. In other words, can they suffer as he's going to suffer? They say they can. But, Jesus says, that they have no idea what they're agreeing to. They're saying that they can take the fullness of what Jesus is going to suffer on themselves. In words that really make me want to laugh, and it, it, it has a lot of emotion all, in, all, in one, all at once. 
Jesus says, indeed, they will suffer. They will drink the cup. They will be baptized with that baptism. But they're not going to get the prize they seek. Those places have already been reserved for two others. For whom, you may ask? A little bit of foreshadowing. But those places are reserved for two criminals. On either side of Jesus as he hangs from the cross. That's the moment when Jesus comes into his glory. James and John ask for honor and status, power, influence, things we all want, naturally. Of course we do. But Jesus reminds his disciples yet again that those who want to be the greatest will be those who serve as Jesus serves. Approach B. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus has the audacity not only to address Jesus as son of David, a messianic title, but especially to have mercy on him. Bartimaeus is a man at the extremes. He likely has no family. Nobody is supporting him. Otherwise, he wouldn't be begging. He suffers from a physical ailment that makes work impossible for him. He can only sit by the road and cry out, hoping against hope that Jesus will notice him and have mercy on him. The crowd tries to shut him up like they do with everybody who's at the margins. Everybody who seems to be out of place. Get back in your place, they seem to say. Why would Jesus ever be interested in a nobody like you? Stop being obnoxious. Shut up. The remarkable thing is this man also has the audacity not to care what the crowd thinks. He knows that Jesus' mission is about mercy, not about displays of power and majesty. Bartimaeus gets what these disciples can't get yet. Jesus is here to show humanity mercy, not lord it over them. Jesus is our king and our judge, true. Yet he is not a king or judge according to the standards of the world. Jesus' standards are those of service, of mercy. And Jesus does show mercy to this man. This man wants to be healed. He's propelled forward to Jesus like steel to a magnet. Jesus asks him the same question he asked James and John. What do you want me to do for you? This time the answer is different. It's all about, it's all rooted in the one who shows mercy. Let me see again. After Jesus heals him, he tells him to go. Just one word, and it's kind of uh, ambivalent. Go. Your faith has made you well. And the man follows Jesus. He doesn't go away from him. He goes even closer to him. This man has found a new family. He's found a new home with his teacher, healer, and savior. How might we approach Jesus in our prayer? Jesus reveals to us a God always ready to show us mercy. When we approach Jesus as the revealer of God's mercy, we do better than the approach James and John take, which is about give me power, or the approach of, say, prosperity gospel folks who are always asking for more and more. Name it and claim it, they say. 
That's not the kind of God we worship. We worship the God who shows mercy. And all, when all we can say is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. We are praying in the spirit of Bartimaeus. And while, and thank God, Jesus does not grade our prayers like the seminary professor does. Our prayers do say a lot about what we believe about God, the world, and ourselves. We may also keep in mind that Jesus wants us to have the audacity to call upon him as the giver of mercy like Bartimaeus. James and John were audacious too, but they misunderstood what Jesus' mission was about at that point. Nevertheless, Jesus was gentle with James and John and is gentle with us in our prayers. Whether God answers our prayers with yes, no, or wait, God does answer. God is gentle. And the Spirit working within us will constantly guide us into a prayer that is more aligned with the will of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier. That's what it means to pray to Jesus as the Lord of mercy. Have audacity. Have faith in Jesus as the giver of mercy. And the Spirit continue to guide us into greater harmony with Christ, who loved us so much he gave himself completely to show us mercy. Amen.